Do you want to be blessed this morning? Does anyone not want to be blessed this morning? Anybody here, raise their hand who says, I do not want to be blessed. Oh, I don't see any hands, so we can get on the same page then. That's good. Our sermon text this morning is Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 22. I've entitled it, Get Wisdom. Eleven years ago, I had a van that developed a high-pitched whining as I was driving down the road. And, of course, I started freaking out, what's going to happen? And I don't know much about cars and their motors, but I knew I was in trouble. So I went to a mechanic. I said, what's causing this problem? And so he looked at it and he said, well, it's not the transmission, which is what I thought it was going to be because transmissions always cost a lot of money to get fixed, right? And so he said, I don't know what it is. I thought, oh, my goodness. Mechanic doesn't know what's going on. Now what am I supposed to do? So looking for worldly wisdom, (laughs) I immediately went to the Internet, of course, where there's lots of worldly wisdom. And I uh, searched and tried to find where there were complaints about this particular model of a van and find out maybe there had some, other people had some problems with that. And sure enough, after I'd spent hours looking, I finally came across some other people that said, okay, this particular year, this particular model, this is something that we've got that's a problem. But this is what we did to solve it, and it worked. So I had nothing to lose, right? So what they said was that you need to change the power steering fluid every 40,000 miles. What? (laughs) Never heard of the power steering problem, you know, causing a high-pitched sound like that. And so anyway, I didn't have anything else to do, and it was cheap. (laughs) And so I changed it, and sure enough, the problem was solved. And I put it down and note to myself, in 40,000 miles, I need to get some more steering fluid. So anyway, there was a, a way in which the world really goes after wisdom. And that's what we hunger for as we get onto the internet. And that's why so many of us spend so much time on our phones, right? Trying to learn different things, figure out different things. But uh, we have a problem. It's called our sin nature. And so where do we get wisdom when we acknowledge we have a sin nature? And that's important for us to understand because it starts out that we have to acknowledge that we're sinners saved by grace, right? But we have to search after it. We have to find out the answers as we battle this sin nature. So as we look at what God tells us, he tells us to get wisdom. We're going to see that this morning. We're going to look at that. And he'll tell us how to do that. But you see, we have a sin nature that's alive, and it's fighting. It's fighting against us getting wisdom and more knowledge of God and walking with God. And so we need to know that that battle is taking place. This is just not sort of me kind of, oh, I just need more wisdom. No, this is something that you're being challenged with every single day because your sin nature is opposing knowing the Word of God, knowing Christ, growing in Christ, being sanctified. So these are things that are very real in our life. So, so we need to get wisdom. We need godly wisdom 
All of us need that. And so when we do that, we get blessed. And that's why I want to bring a blessing to you this morning. I think this is what the Lord wants to bring into your life. How do you get blessed? How do you, uh, once you're on that godly path that Jesus has provided for us, his path, that uh, how do we not get off that path, you know, when we're tempted by sin and, and different things of the world? And so it's so beautiful that, that we have a place to go where we can go and get the wisdom that we desire. There's a desire God has placed in us. You didn't have this desire before he saved you. It's something that God has done, and he wants you to follow through so that you'll be blessed. And so thankfully, God has all wisdom, and he's got it ready to pour out on all of us. And, and so, my goodness, uh, let's look in the scriptures here today and just see how we can, we can grow in that. So we've got four points to our sermon outline. Number one is developing a godly character, or growing in Christ-likeness, if you will, or getting on the godly path. Number two is acquiring the fear of the Lord, or how to stay on the godly path. Number three is deliverance from evil. And number four is the destination of the two paths. So would you please stand for the reading of God's word. Proverbs chapter two, we're gonna do the entire chapter, one through 22. My son, of course, and my daughters, that's implicit, right? Right into this, and my children. If you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death, her paths to the departed. None who go by, her, go by to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep up to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. This is the word of God. Please be seated. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. May your spirit just open our hearts that we might listen and apply what we hear, that we might grow in wisdom and understanding, that we might uh, figure out the ways that are good for us, wise ways that you have prepared for us. Lord, would you move powerfully in our hearts to overcome 
the evil one who wants to stop us from getting wiser. So we thank you that your grace is greater than our sin. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, let's look at our first sermon point. Developing a godly character or getting on the godly path. You know, for the English majors in here, you probably don't need to hear this, but for many of the rest of us who are not, like me, <laughs> verbs are very important things. So what's important about the verb? You know, if you want to study something, understand, look at the verbs. Why is that? Because verbs are action words. This is what you're supposed to do. And so if we're convinced that we always want to do God's will, then we need to know what to do. And so that's the question we always have, isn't it? Well, what do you want me to do? And of course, sometimes this gets perverted and people get into prosperity doctrine or things like that. And you know, you get books that say, these are the 10 steps to prosperity or you get these are the five steps to do this, that or the other. But that's not what we're talking about here. These verbs are very instructive and powerful as we look towards the wisdom of beholding God and getting to know God in a deeper and a very real way. And so these are words that are for us this morning as Christians. The world has its ways of finding wisdom and sometimes it's very practical and good, just like learning how to put power steering fluid in your car. But um, these are things, this is the wisdom that comes from on high. The world cannot find this kind of wisdom unless it sees it in you. And hopefully when they do see it in you, it'll draw them to Christ. So these words, then these verses, and especially in verses one through four that we're gonna look at first are ways in which we are to get wisdom. This is how God teaches us to do it. And so we're very wise if we'll listen and see what, what the word says here. And so these, word, these words uh, that are in verses one through four really are sort of the overarching theme here is God's words and commandments. When we say commandments, we're particularly thinking about the 10 commandments. So we are to look at what God has to say and what God commands. And so we want to focus on those things. And so these verbs that come together, then if you look in your bulletin, you'll be able to follow along with me. It says we are to what? Receive. How good are you at receiving instruction? How are you good at receiving God's words and commandments? It says we are to treasure up God's words and commandments. We're to value them. They're important and necessity in our lives that we, we have to have them in order to see the path forward that God has for us. We're to make our ears attentive to God's words and commandments. You know, Jason prayed that in the prayer this morning. We've got the Spirit working in you right now. Is God opening up your heart? Are you hearing what these words are saying? Are you seeing where these would be a blessing to you because God wants to be blessing you? says, incline your heart. So it's your ears, now your heart. And that's where your will and emotions and things are moving. Are you going to surrender your will and your emotions to do what God says versus what you feel? Sometimes what your sin nature is fighting like crazy against. It says, calling out for insight into God's words and commandments. Is that the kind of level that you're hungering for in terms of wisdom from God, knowing God? Are you calling out? You are verbally saying something out loud. Usually when you get to that point, that means it's really moving powerfully in your heart, doesn't it? 
Then it says, raising your voice for understanding. So you're going, how do I understand this? How do I apply it to my life? What does it mean? So you're raising your voice once again. So calling out and raising your voice for insight and for understanding, beautiful things. And then seeking it like silver. Well, you know, in biblical days, gold and silver were some of the most valuable things that you could have. So it's a treasure you're seeking, silver. That's how, that's how much you're prize, apprising it and, and, and how much wonder it is has for you. Searching for it as for hidden treasures. Jesus gives, you know, the pearl of great price and other times he talks about these things. And so wisdom is something that's sometimes hidden. So we're going after that. We want it. We don't have all that we'd like to have yet. We're incomplete. Lord, please give us more of this. But as we look at these different words, as we look back at verse one, there's something that is a very important little tiny two-letter word. It says if. So how are we doing? Are we going after the wisdom of God this way? Are we crying out for understanding and insight? Where are you this morning with it? And I'm not saying this to beat you up. <laughs> I'm just saying we all struggle with this at some level. Sometimes we do better at it and sometimes others. But this is a reminder, this is where you're going to get blessed. You can be blessed more than you're probably being blessed right now. God's ready to pour it out on you. It says, if. So that's the part we have. He's done his part. He sent his son to die in our place. He who knew no son but became sin for our sake and became unrighteous so that we could have his righteousness. He's done his part. And now as Christians, then this is where we can grow and mature. And so he wants to pour out his blessing on us more and more and more. This is our part. So as we see how much we've been receiving just to get to the place of a grace of having a new life in Christ, now it's like, okay, Lord, show me more. Show me more. Help me. And so as these different uh, verbs are just like piling up one on top of another, it's like a crescendo and overspilling, right? And so what it shows really is somebody who's hungry, who wants to grow in Christ's likeness, who wants to know the Lord, whose heart desires wisdom because that's the way in which they need to go. So it's good to have this kind of a hunger then. And of course, when you get into life circumstances, the one question you always need to ask, I don't care what it is, what is God's wisdom? What is God's will? Even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Lord, is there any other way? Not my will, but your will be done. And that's what we constantly face, whether it's at home with our kids or we're single, it's out, you know, different choices to make of all kinds. Every single day we've got multiple opportunities that we have to exercise wisdom, all of us. So what does it look like? So this is where God wants to bless us. And so people who are hungering for wisdom are not independent people. They're not loners. They're people that are not wise in their own eyes. So within the church or the body of Christ, 
Then there's things like small groups that we have and you can ask people and you get counsel and wisdom from others. But we need to humble our hearts and not think that we know better than everybody else and that nobody else can teach us anything. God has provided a lot of this. And so, as we look at verse 5, it tells us something else very interesting. It says that we'll pay attention and do the things that we just read about and heard about in verses 1 through 4. It says, then, then, therefore, then, and then only will you understand the fear of the Lord, which we looked in detail at a couple weeks ago from chapter 1, especially in verse 7. Then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So that's what an attitude godly people have that are hungering for wisdom. And so it's why you should be here on Sunday mornings. It's why you should read the scriptures during the week. Are you hungry? Read the scriptures. Grow in your knowledge. You'll see more and more as time goes on. As you go through different experiences, you'll see different aspects and facets and beauty of the, of the diamond, if you will, of the scriptures. I had someone ask me the other day, and said, well, why is it that we have to keep reading the scriptures over? I already know these passages. And, and so we had a little short discussion about how, well, you're going through different life experiences and sometimes those scriptures, even though they're the same words, have a different meaning as applied to your life. And so these are important things that we get in the habit of doing is, but our heart desires to know Christ, to know Christ and know how to make wise decisions so that I'll be able to do what's best not only for myself, but for those around me. I'll understand in a greater way what love really is. So we grow. We grow. And so what happens is then our relationships become more loving because we become more deeply understanding. Where my own heart is unloving. Sometimes where I'm selfish. Somewhere I'm not thoughtful. And sometimes as we grow, we get opportunities to counsel other people. So that it multiplies. Now you're not on the receiving end so much as you're on the giving end. Not all the time. It's always both. But it's a delight as we see things going on and we are helping people from falling into the snares of what the sin nature will take them into. So we need to get wisdom and we get it by God's grace. It's always by grace. He's always ready. He wants to pour it out. He has no joy in seeing you falling into sinful situations. Quite the opposite. He wants to spare you. He wants you to understand what your proclivities are towards sin. What temptations you're facing that you can fight with other people around you. Holding up your arms like Exodus 17 with, with Moses as he had Aaron and her on either side holding up his arms. As the battle was continuing down the valley with the uh, different um, armies that were opposing Israel. Okay, so that brings us to our second point, our second sermon point, acquiring the fear of the Lord or how to stay on the godly path. And of course, we've seen before where in chapter 9, verse 10, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So acquiring godly wisdom and developing godly character 
of getting on God, the godly path, start with the fear of the Lord. And again, just quickly, the fear of the Lord is not where God's mad at you, he's gonna punish you. The fear of the Lord is another way of saying a deep and abiding trust in God, knowing how much he loves you, that he sent his son to die in your place, and that it's wiser to entrust your life to him than it is to yourself and your own limited understanding of what's going on. That he's got greater things in mind, and so we trust him for that. And so, the starting of the fear of the Lord then is saying, I'm going to yield my will to your will, Lord, and I'm going to trust you to, to show me how to handle these situations as I walk through life. Deep and abiding trust in the Lord. And so we're to trust God's words and his commandments to, in order to guide us to make wise decision making. And that's how we get on the godly path. But now we need to know how to stay on the godly path and not take many of the tempting off-ramps that we see and are challenged with so often. Jesus has modeled it. God knows and has created this world and what makes it go well. We don't. We're made from the dust of the earth. We've been new creatures in Christ now, but we still are learning and understanding of how this world works. We don't see what God sees. And so it's something that God wants to continue to increase in our understanding. Now, sometimes we can get wisdom, just ungodly wisdom. It's not that it's bad, but from the world, just like I found out about changing the power steering fluid in my car. Sometimes we ask directions from the world, you get that. Our culture needs the Ten Commandments. You know, one of the things that we see uh, today is that there are forces around to want to remove the Ten Commandments from like our court systems and from the schools and every, they want to get the Ten Commandments gone. And as we think about the Ten Commandments, what, are the, what is the baseline on the Ten Commandments? Why are they so important? It's such a genius document. So the, as we know, the first four commandments are all about love of God. Right? The last six are all about how do we love our neighbors ourselves. So the Ten Commandments are documents of love. Right? The first commandment that Jesus taught on, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Second is like it to love your neighbor as yourself. And so you've got this beautiful thing that's taking place that impacts us, but it also impacts the culture in which we live. And so even if they don't know the Ten Commandments, when you introduce the Ten Commandments into people's lives, then they aren't Christians necessarily. <laughs> A lot of them aren't. But you're, you're increasing the healthiness of the culture as you do that. People like, go up against it, and there are some that will actually fight it. But for instance, as we take, let's say, do not commit adultery, right? Well, the culture hears that and if they'll listen to that, if they hear and see it through us, then there will be fewer cheating spouses. There'll be healthier marriages, be fewer damaged children, fewer abortions, fewer divorces, and less venereal disease, and all those different kinds of things. So the culture, in just a general way, is more blessed 
there'll be less suffering. And they may not understand all the ins and outs of that. But these are the things that are worth fighting for, for us. So when you've got groups like ACLU, I don't want to get political. I'm not trying to get political. I'm just saying this is what happens because when they start over the path of individual liberties and that's wisdom, right? That's what the world's going to teach through them is that, okay, this is something that you're foolishly fighting for when you're trying to do away with the Ten Commandments because what happens when the ACLU gets its way? So in the name of individual liberties, the whole culture is becoming less loving, more dangerous. Babies are aborted that should never be aborted. People get sued who should never get sued. Children are hearing things and reflecting on things that are down the path of destruction and evil. God is their enemy, not their refuge. And families wind up getting destroyed. And the ACLU says, what is good is evil. What is evil is good. Everything gets turned upside down. So these are important things then for wisdom for us. Sometimes we need courage to speak up into our culture. And we do it as God sees fit to give us opportunity and wisdom. But we definitely want to do it in the church. Encourage one another. And so as the wise person continually seeks after wisdom, verse 6 says, the Lord delights. There's another action word, another verb. The Lord delights in speaking and giving wisdom. So all true wisdom comes from God. It doesn't come from us. But he has it, he delights in pouring it out on you. So when you go before the Lord and say, hey, I need some more wisdom, I want some more wisdom, it's not like, well, okay, you know, he's this sort of counselor parent or something. No, he delights in pouring it out on you. It's like, yes, thank you. So glad you're here. Here's, here's this gift of wisdom I want to pour out upon you. So he's the fountainhead, he's the head. He's the source of all true godly wisdom. True wisdom doesn't come from anywhere else. It comes from a loving heavenly father. And then verse seven says that the Lord stores up sound wisdom for those whose hearts are ready and eager to receive it. You see, the, it's good to have the desire for wisdom, right? It's good. This is what God wants from us. Every morning we get up, Lord, there's all these problems I've got to face. I need your wisdom. And he's saying, yes, here it is. I want to give it to you. I delight in giving it to you. So why don't we ask for it? Why do we take it for granted? Why do we try to just figure things out in our own thinking? Why do we not ask questions of other people? Why do we not read the scriptures every day? I mean, if this is true, then we're fools not to be in the word every day. Don't you want to be blessed? God says, I want to bless you. <laughs> well, open up the word. Doesn't say you have to spend two hours in there. 
But the general attitude is, do I hunger for that wisdom? Do I desire that so that I'll get blessed? I can be, it's okay to be selfish like this. This is where God wants you to be selfish. And we need to encourage each other in these things. It says that the Lord becomes our shield and our protector when we do that. Isn't that what you want? Do you want to put yourself at risk? Do you not want God to be your shield? Do you not want God to be your protector? Doesn't even make sense when I ask that question, does it? Nobody in here would say, no, I want to not have protection. I don't want to be protected. So the wise person just gradually, over time, day by day, continues to grow in wisdom. As they spend more time in the Word, say, hear more sermons, more teachings, say, hear more counsel from other people. It's a process. It's it's a Christ-likeness taking place in all of us as we grow in these things. And so if you've got, you know, children or if you've got spouses or if you're just on your own, encourage the people around you to be in the Word. Be in the Word. Hunger for what God has to say because God wants to speak to them directly without anybody else in between with the Holy Spirit living in them, illuminating that word and bringing understanding and wisdom into their hearts. He doesn't want them getting hurt. He doesn't want them unprotected. And so what happens then? Because we understand the reason I'm not in the word most of the time is because I'm listening to the wrong voice. I'm listening to the voice of Lady Folly. I'm listening to the sin nature. Ah, you don't need the word of God. You don't have to read the scriptures. You don't have to go to church. That's not from God. This is what's from God. Get wisdom. Get wisdom. But as we see that and we understand we do struggle, what comes out of that? We begin to see the greatness and, and the glory of God. Because he knows our hearts and he's, he's sitting there knowing that we're doing foolish and stupid things. And he's saying, I delight in pouring out more on you. I'm not going to take a test here and say, well, how often have you done it? Well, I'm not going to decide whether I'm going to pour out more wisdom on you. Say, no. Grow. And you'll see the grand nature of God, the holiness. You'll see his majesty and you'll see his love and his mercy that flows to you and you delight in him because he first delights in you and you'll see his holiness. This is a God who wants more of you just as we want more of him. Will you do that? Will you do that? And so you continue to grow in wisdom and understanding. The older you get, if you continue to seek wisdom, We see the need for this um, in Zechariah 3. This is a good little story, sad story. In Zechariah 3, the uh, high priest who is supposed to go into the Holy of Holies once a year has to get prepared. So in this case, it's the high priest Joshua. And so there's all these elaborate things that take place because they have lots of time to think about it. They've got the whole previous 12 months. <laughs> they know this is going to take place. So he's representative of the Jewish community. 
going into the Holy of Holies. So he has got to be without sin. Because you have sin, you can't go into the Holy of Holies, right? You'll die. Sin cannot exist in the presence of God. So they take his clothes and they wash them like six times. And they take him physically. I'm not sure how it doesn't describe the details, but anyway, they scrub him up repeatedly over and over. So he is the cleanest man in all of Israel. And his clothes are the cleanest garments in all of Israel. You can't find a speck of dust anywhere on him or on his clothes. And so they get ready to take him in. But then God says something that's sort of surprising. He says, you know, Joshua's covered with filth. What do you mean he's covered with filth? I see, God looks on the heart. They couldn't scrub that sin off. So it's impossible for us without the Lord, without Christ's righteousness, to get into the presence of God without sin. And so this is, again, wisdom issues that even after we have gotten Christ's righteousness, that he's continued to scrub off the sinful nature, change our sin nature so that we grow in our ability to love one another and to love him. And yet he started it all so we worship and adore our Lord because we saw in Philippians 1.6, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, he who began a good work in us is going to continue it until the day of Christ, until Christ returns. It's beautiful. And so we see here where even though we're covered with filth in essence is that Jesus continues to love us. He continues to guard the paths of justice and watches over the way of the saints like it says in verse 8. He continues to do that even though he sees every single sin that you're walking in, every temptation that you're experiencing. There's nothing that's going to change his love for you and delight in you. So it's Jesus, the one who preserves, protects, and defends you, the wise person. Not because of what you've earned, but by grace. And the result of that says, then, then, as a result of that, what the Lord does, the wise person will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. To Christ be the glory. This is all by grace and his glorious ways, his desires towards us to lift us up, to encourage us to the path that we're on to be with him forever and ever and ever. Isn't that beautiful? So we who had no understanding were saved by grace are now we're beginning to understand righteousness and justice and equity in God's eyes, not in the world. That's what you can expect. That's how you're gonna be blessed. And verse 10, it says that as you receive God's words and treasure up his commandments, wisdom that will come into your heart. It's the gift of God. That's Christ's character. And it's being formed in you. Knowledge will become pleasant to your soul, it says. Oh, man. 
So it's just not intellectual stuff in your head, right? It says that you're just going to really feel a sense of pleasantness coming into your soul as you realize, I know what this knowledge is like. I know what wisdom looks like in this situation. It's beautiful, and it comes from my Lord, my Savior. So I, I just really look forward to gaining knowledge and growing in my ability to make wise decisions. And I can understand the difference between wisdom and foolishness. Wow. This is what God's doing. This is what he delights in doing. And it helps us resist when those temptations hit to take the exit ramp down into the darkness. And I have to go through troubles and experience things that God doesn't want me to experience at times until I see him moving in his grace and getting me back on, the, on that highway to heaven. And that leads us to our third sermon point, deliverance from evil. Now, if I remember, sometimes I don't remember things as far back as I should, but I remember back about 20 minutes ago, I think I heard all you pray something, something Jesus taught you to pray. Do you remember what that was? Deliver us from what? Evil. So every time you pray the Lord's Prayer, you're praying, deliver us from evil, right? And so in this particular case, in this passage, it's really got two things that it's looking at, but as we pray the Lord's Prayer, it's all evil. My evil as well as the world's evil. So deliver us from those things. And so in verses 12 through 15, the wise person is delivered from what? From liars, dishonest people. Why are you delivered from them when you're wise? Because you'll see it in them. Because you've got wisdom. And now you're discerning. You're saying, whoa, that person's a liar. That's a lie. Well, that person's dishonest. I've seen it. I recognize it. So in that sense, you get delivered from these people. We identify what's going on because we see them rejoicing in evil things. We hear what they say. They rejoice in doing evil. And so... Wisdom helps us discern and avoid getting into like bad business deals with perverse people, it says. I can remember when I had my oil and gas exploration company. That's an industry that's kind of wide open, let me tell you. <laughs> and there are plenty of people that are trying to cut corners and they are dishonest. And so I had to very often figure out who was honest and who wasn't in order to do business with them. Otherwise, I'm getting myself into a situation where I could be sued and all kinds of horrible things could happen because I'm dealing with people who are dishonest people. The second thing is, in verses 16 through 19, a wise person is delivered from the forbidden woman, it says, the adulteress. So wise people remain faithful to their spouse and are not sexually unfaithful. That's hard at times because there's all sorts of temptations. Marriages can get on the rocks at times. You have to work through things. You know, there's all kinds of temptations out there. The world's full of it. The internet's full of it. So wise people recognize what's going on in their own hearts and they don't, you know, fall folly to that. And if you are struggling with that, get somebody to help you with it. Get somebody to pray for you. The more you talk about it with other people and ask for help, the safer you're going to be. That leads us to our fourth sermon point, the destination of the two paths. So verses 20 through 22 reveal the ultimate destination. 
of the wise person versus the fool. Path of the wise person, of course, is Jesus' path, which leads to eternal life and to the presence of God and for joy forevermore. We actually get in God's presence himself. Beautiful, wonderful. But the path of the fool is a path of darkness that leads to death and destruction. And you'll be cast into the outer darkness. You'll be cast into hell. Yes, there is a hell. So wise people entrust their lives to Jesus who lights their path. And it says this is what the word of God does. Jesus is a living word. And so that means that he makes known the path of life to us and his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Once again, getting back into the word and trusting the word and obeying the word. As Jesus knows the pathway ahead, he's not limited to time. He knows what you're going to be exposed to. He knows what you're tempted by. He already knows that. There's no secrets for him. But he wants to constantly instruct us all the way in order to avoid those places where we get tempted and we could hurt our families and our friends. And, and so the wise safely trust in Jesus. Are you trusting in Jesus this morning? Is your heart resting secure in Jesus this morning? Because he's already established the path of life. He's already gone before us. He's asking us to join on the path that he has put in place. He knows the end and he's waiting for us at the end of that path. He knows that he's ready to pour out the treasures of heaven. That's what your inheritance is going to be. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. And so he graciously wants to help you every day. He's got his hand out. Brian, take my hand this morning. I'm going to lead you through this day with wisdom. I don't want you to unnecessarily or foolishly hurt yourself doing stupid things, which I'm very capable of doing. <laughs> Just ask my wife. <laughs> Brian, I want to talk to you for a few moments here as you open the word. I want to instruct you and comfort you when there's trials and different things going on. Why would I turn away from that? I do. I'm sure most of you do as well. So it's a beautiful thing that he's doing. And so he's given us the Holy Spirit. He sent the Holy Spirit after he received the Spirit from the Father, poured it into the church, poured it into every believer, both from Pentecost till now. So we all have the Spirit. And it's a beautiful thing, and the Spirit works in us. Now, I hope the Spirit's working in you and me to more fully accept and, and desire wisdom this morning and to get the benefit from that so it will be blessed. And we look forward to our bodies being resurrected. That's going to be amazing. We've never tasted a life, any minute in our life, where we haven't had the sin nature as part of it. You're going to experience something so glorious and so wonderful when your body gets resurrected without any sin, it's going to be so amazing. I don't know that human words can actually put that accurately into our understanding. But anyway, with all that in mind, I'd like to close um, with King David's very uplifting and encouraging words in Psalm 16, verses 7 to 11. These words have really blessed me over the years, and I hope they bless you. 
I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. Hear the joy there? My flesh also dwells secure for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. And then particularly these, you make known to me the path of life. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is a fullness of joy, fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Do you want those things? My heart longs for that. I hope yours does too this morning. I mean, these are fabulous things that are here, the path of life, the, in the presence that there's a fullness of joy and pleasures at your right hand forevermore. Forevermore. Without ceasing. Are you hearing that? Do you believe that? Are you accepting it? Do you yearn to believe that at a deeper level? Now's the time to cry out and say, yes, Lord, forevermore. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen? Amen. Trust in Jesus. Depend on Jesus. Delight in Jesus. Worship Jesus. Get wisdom. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that these things that you have for us are there for our asking and for our doing. And we pray for your grace this morning. We know we're all a mixture. Sometimes we do these things, sometimes we don't. We pray that through the power of your spirit that you would give us a deepening and greater desire for wisdom than we've ever, ever had before as we look forward to this glorious future and which we will be experiencing forever and ever and ever. Amen.